Welcome everyone to The Creative Entrepreneur, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking to one of the leading photographers in the industry. We're going to talk about how he has generated passive income and utilizes social media to build a following of over 100,000 people, so stay tuned. Coming to you from San Antonio, Texas, welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business, branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation, plus interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. Welcome back, everyone, to The Creative Entrepreneur, and today I'm really excited about our guest. He's one of the leading photographers in the industry, and he's going to talk a little bit about how he has generated passive income and how he has utilized social media to create a following of over 100,000 people. So please help me welcome our guest, Francisco Hernandez. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Awesome, man. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. I've been following you for some time now, and I must say that I am a huge fan of your work. You clearly stand out from everybody else, and you have this unique approach to your photography that I'm dying to learn. Uh, now that I see what you're doing, I see that you're doing some education. Is that your niche right now? Are you? Is it education? Yeah, education is something that I honestly didn't ever think that was something that I was going to pursue early on in my life. But over the course of, um, you know, going through photography, experiencing all the struggle um, and all the difficulties involved with it, it made me see, like, you know, is anybody else going through this as well? And if they are, I want to help them um, succeed and learn faster than I did. So I eventually just got into teaching others and I started to monetize that. And that's how I've been earning in the past couple of years. You started doing some behind the scenes work. Yeah. And you've utilized several platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And there was a, there was a point in your, the trajectory of your success in, your, in the popularity of what you're doing. I've noticed that you've, you're doing off-camera flash. You're doing behind-the-scenes work. And yeah. so at, at what point in, in the trajectory of your, of your business did you start to see an increase or an influx in revenue, followers, and business? So there's there's two points that I definitely can attribute to a big increase in I guess visibility. Um, the one that definitely can you know I can say that is one that's biggest for me is back in 2015. Uh, I did a photo shoot with a local model. I think she's actually the first model that I worked in my area, and she um, I, at that photo shoot I took behind the scenes photos because I just you know I like to share information, but. When I edited those behind-the-scenes photos, I was like, you know what? I want to make these different somehow. I want to make them a little bit funnier. Uh, I want to label certain things, just be done with it, have fun with it. And when I shared the, the set of images on my, I think, my Facebook and in my lighting group, or I actually did have one at the time, but on my Facebook page, um, I shared the behind-the-scenes photos, and people picked up on the fact that they were not just behind-the-scenes photos, but they're just, you know, a little bit funny and it got to the point where enough people were interested in it or sharing it that uh, a website by the name of DIYphotography.net uh, decided to share those uh, sets of images. And even from them sharing it, it even got featured on Petapixel.com. And after that point, more people got familiar with me, my work, and the fact that I was sharing behind the scenes. And it kind of just helped my visibility so much. 
That's awesome. And you yeah. know a lot of a lot of photographers. Yeah. They they come into the business wanting to know more and more and more and they're just hungry for knowledge and you're yes. just providing that <laughs> at a rapid pace. And of course your followers are continually inflowing to this these platforms that you're using. What would you say is your biggest the biggest value bomb that you could give your 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 audience, your customers, your photographers? Well, I, and I don't mean this to be cheesy or anything, but just actually just trying to relate to other people and placing yourself in their shoes um, is the best thing that's worked for me personally. I tend to be a very personal guy, and I try to think about, you know, if somebody's struggling with learning something. Because, again, the, the way that I make money is with education. So I think the people that, that you know, that would want to pay me to learn – um, they see that, you know, yeah, I don't make fun of people for asking questions that everybody asks when they're starting. And um, they really, you know, they, they're open to that. They're very uh, receptive to that. So I think just the fact that I was able to place myself in their shoes and and be so welcoming to any sort of questions um, that, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I want to learn more from this guy. And when I do photo walks, that's the one thing that I get feedback from all the time, that they were happy that, I was able to kind of pull them out of their of their comfort zone while also keeping them in a comfortable position where they can ask questions. So that ability to relate to these people, um, these different photographers that I've met over time, is something that really helped me. And uh, it's not a front. I want to be honest about that. I know the names of the people who attended my photo walks last week. I know the people that have attended my photo walks you know, that I've done in the past. And I just enjoy photography, helping people. And, you know, taking pictures. So I've attended walks and seminars, and I've kept in contact with many of the photographers that I've worked with. And I'm able to ask them questions. Are your customers or your photographers able to come back and ask you questions, or do they have to reattend yeah, so the I session? Do, um, I don't want to be cynical, but I do. I've always thought about that. I thought, you know, if I were to attend somebody's workshop and then ask them questions after the fact, are they only answering me because I attended and bought something from them? Or would they have already answered me in the same manner had I not? And I never think about that in terms of my own way of, of answering people's questions. I want to answer their questions regardless if they intended anything. I want them to, if anything, my incentive, if I'm thinking about making money, is the fact that I'm so open to answering their, their questions that would make them want to attend something that I'm, I'm offering in terms of a photo class or something. And, um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know what? I'm getting a little off tra track. <laughs> I start to think again, passionate okay. about something. You know what? It's all good. It's all good. So your primary, your primary revenue, yeah, is uh, well, obviously education, right? Mm -hmm. And so, do you, when you do your photo shoots, is this primarily for the educational part of it, or generating the videos or anything that comes forth through that? And if so, do you? pay these models or do these models uh volunteer or how, how do you get all these these people to come in and and do these workshops with you uh using these models so um that's a good question because for the, for a long time for longer than i i wanted to i i was doing photo shoots to kind of um keep it in an educational sense of sharing it behind the scenes and settings and stuff and it wasn't until like later that i decided you know what I, from these photo shoots, I could have done a video on a certain topic and I could have made, you know, more money that way through a YouTube video or something else. But um, to, to answer your question simply, 
I never pay the model unless I'm charging for something in the sense that um, I always feel like because I'm going to be providing them with great images that I believe are going to be unique in a sense that, you know, it's going to, the way they're modeling is going to cancel out, you know, what I would charge. And it actually, if I'm being totally honest here, sometimes the models that I worked with before, they really were a challenge to work with in the sense that they said they were a model, they had a great look, but they couldn't smile, they couldn't, you know, emote or express themselves in their face or something like that. So it was a real challenge for me. So I had to, um, the nicest way possible, tell them that and really get, you know, it was a struggle for me. So, um, so it had, for example, if I paid the model, then that would definitely not feel right with me. So I work with the models that I worked with um, to produce content, of course, uh, in the educational sense. But I, I always want to keep it at least to start with uh, TFP. You know, nobody charging. I'm not charging them. They're not charging me. Uh, even though, I, yeah, I am, you know, creating behind the scenes content. Um, but um, unless I'm charging for something, then like the photo box I just did. Then I wouldn't really pop, uh, pay the model. Oh, do you still do you still do regular photo shoots for clients, or um, is it strictly just uh, education now? <laughs> it's strictly education now. If I actually am uh, am gonna charge a client, then they they're probably a family <laughs> family okay. member or a friend of a family member. Well, that I'm making, oh, that's okay. I'm making You're an supposed exception. to do that anyways. Yeah, I'm making an exception. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like as far as education, I want to piggyback on that. And this is your primary revenue as far as education is concerned. Do you hire videographers or do you, uh, you partner up with any kind of videographer that, that helps you with these videos or do you do all these yourself? So um, if you've seen any of my recent videos, <laughs> um, uh, I, I have actually asked my fiance, Ashley, uh, to do the video for me. Uh, I actually tend to, it works out for us both that I like to shoot during a, a time where she's free. She works like a, was it an eight to five job? Um, and I do my shoots typically at 5, 36 p.m. and later on. And um, she used to be the dedicated uh, light assistant, but now I'm like, you know what, grab the video camera. I'll go ahead and just put a sandbag on the light <laughs> and then you can get some nice video for me <laughs> for my videos, uh, for my YouTube videos. But um, I, I actually have charged though. I have charged in the past. A friend of mine who lives locally, um, he was doing video work and I was like, you know, maybe it would help to have somebody dedicated doing video because for the longest time I was just doing tripod work and then I started to see that more dynamic video was just better looking and more cinematic and I did like that. So I charged him for a couple of photo shoots. Um, I did make some videos from that. And it was really nice. And one of my favorite videos, my very f uh, favorite video of all my YouTube channel is my video with using the Godox 8400 Pro um, for a shoot that I did in a local downtown city. And uh, that was probably definitely, no, that was definitely because of uh, his work. His name is Jeff Antons. And he definitely made the video really nice. So big props to him. But um yeah, I, I've always thought about how am I going to increase my pr uh, production value, how to make it look really good. Yep. And I'm doing little steps over time. Uh, I've done little steps to increase that. And if I'm feeling lazy, then I'll go ahead and just add a, you know, a video on a tripod and have Ashley hold the light. But yeah, yeah, there's different things I could do, and it just depends on uh, how invested I am in this video and how good I want it to look like to go a step further or not. That's awesome, man. I mean... <laughs> just knowing that you're, you know, you're almost, uh, we're all on the same boat, honestly, just because, you know, as a photographer, my 
usually it's early in the morning, but I think being retired and being able to dictate my schedule and sometimes I work till like two in the morning, sometimes editing photos or whatever, uh, nine o'clock is about, <laughs> is about my thing, you know? So I can see how sometimes we, we as photographers can, can procrastinate or get a little bit lazy, but you know, it's those, it's those guys, it's those women photographers <laughs> yes. that are continually pushing and trying to get better. There was a time when I would wake up in the morning, I'd go work out, uh, and I'd come back from my workout, spend an hour just educating myself on something, whether it be off-camera flash or, or just just different components uh, of photography and, and just trying to be an expert in that area. So I'm curious to know what type of equipment you use. So I use Final Cut Pro specifically because I just like, when I was learning it, I was like, oh, this is simple. I like the way that it works and operates, and I do tend to use some Apple products. I, I love using the iPhone, and um, AirDrop's easy to kind of send stuff back and forth. Um, I use that for video editing. I use this program by the name of Camtasia to screen record on my PC, but when I'm using my uh, MacBook or my iMac for recording screen, uh, screen editing and stuff, um, I use... QuickTime. I didn't even know that they had a, a built-in like screen recorder, so QuickTime is perfect for that. Uh, when I'm using, I, I, I try to never ever use uh, my PC for editing because uh, it just my PC is kind of slow. But um, I use my Sony A7 III to. Uh, it's a dedicated camera for when I do my intros to my videos. And I use that with the Sigma 16 millimeter, which is a crop crop sensor, um, which equivalents 24 millimeters. It's their um, $300, I believe, lens. But that's perfect for getting a wide-angle view of my desk and me talking to the camera. Um, when I'm recording on the field, I guess, in my photo shoots, and I wanted some more cinematic footage, it's a dual-hands uh, stabilizer by the name of Feutech A2000. I use that one. It's actually a couple years old, so it's a lot, probably a lot cheaper than when it first came out. And um, it, I, I like the dual hand setup just because it's a lot... I feel like using the one hand it's just uh, more weight in the center and then distributing that weight is just easier and plus you can put attachments on the different handlebars so that's the camera that i always give ashley to record um and uh i think yeah that's the main camera the stabilizer i use oh the road wireless i think it's the wireless kit or something road link something like that um just so i can you know get the audio synced up with the video Previous to that, I was using this a regular um, Zoom H1 mic with a lav, and I had to sync the audio <laughs> in post, so I didn't really like doing that. But um, And actually, the last thing I could probably mention is that previous to editing off of the MacBook or, or the iMac, I was using this one... Actually, I think that program, Camtasia, um, I was using that to edit my videos, and it was just so bad. It was just... There was a lot of issues that it had... Um, that was like my learning phase, I guess uh -huh. I would say. But yeah, that's that's does the it, stuff does that it I use. Does it record in, in like MOV or or I, is it? It's, is I think it? it's MOV. Um, I I you, don't want to give you a wrong answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but <laughs> so it, it was just bad for editing. What what kind of flash do you use? Do you use the eighty two hundred? I use a myriad of ones, but my favorite one is my uh, it's the Godox eighty four hundred Pro, also known as the Explore four hundred Pro by Adorama. That's my all time favorite. Because it's strong, but also not too too heavy, and it has that bright modeling modeling lamp, 
and um, yeah, and he uses Bowen's mount. And I think it's just the perfect light. I do want to make a video dedicated to that, um, saying why it's my favorite. And, and the, the softbox, how many do you use and which one do you use? So, I, again, I try to you know vary it up a bit, but if I had to choose one de- dedicated uh, modifier, it's my 34-inch Glow Easy Lock Beauty Dish by Adorama. And um, I could be using more expensive options, but aside from my camera gear, I do like to use... Um, like lighting and modifiers that aren't too uh, too expensive, but still work amazing. So that's why I use the 8400 Pro. It's actually 650, but you know it can be on sale every now and then. But that uh, that modifier, the 34 inch beauty dish, I use that one because it's affordable. I think it's um, 69 or 79 dollars, and it's um, it works really great. It's not too big, so that it's kind of like a a, a hassle to handle on the field. It's not too small so that the light isn't too harsh. It provides nice soft light and it's light and it's also very sturdy. I have and I for years I was using the 30 inch glow parapop and people started to tell me, why aren't you using that anymore? And I was like, oh, well, it's just because it's uh, it's like $100 more. And it's also just because it's like, I think it's fiber rods that it kind of like sways a little bit in the wind, just a little bit too much. So if it's a very windy day, um, if I needed to use something sturdier that 34 inches th- is that it's sturdier well, definitely we we're all about saving some money yes yes i we try to keep in mind that saving money and, and making <laughs> sure that we can uh utilize the resources that yeah. we have you know because everybody wants the top of the line stuff but sometimes you know the the cheaper stuff works yes sometimes better you know or, or that's my it to you know i can definitely tell you i mean i don't want to get into this debate thing but <laughs> there's some instances where the more expensive option lacks a lot of features that the cheaper alternative has. So that's why I use the things that I use. I use them for a reason. You know what? Pro photos, the best, <laughs> hands down. I don't care what you say. <laughs> At this point in your career, what would you say is your worst entrepreneurial moment? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, when I was taking on clients, um, I, uh, I had a wedding that I needed to do. And... I don't know why, and maybe actually, you know, what? I think I know the reason why. My favorite number is eleven, and we had a wedding on April fourth. That I thought, I swear, I, I thought I I could swear by the book that it was on April um, April eleventh, but it was April fourth, a week earlier. And so that that day of that Saturday, uh, you know, I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna sleep in. I have nothing to do, and um, or April fourth actually. Uh, so um, so I got a couple calls. And I was like, you know, who's, nobody calls me. Who's calling me? And, <laughs> and then I, I, I silenced the phone a couple of times, like four or five times. And on that sixth time, I was like, you know what? Somebody's bugging me. It might be important. I see it. I see the client's name. And my heart stops. <laughs> I, was, I went from tired to being like I could have ran a marathon in that second because <laughs> that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> my, my fiance and, and me. Where I woke her up and then I told her, you know what, you know they're calling me. Is the wedding today? And I'll take the blame because I, it was my fault that I told her it's on April 11th. It's on April 11th. You know, just you know that's when the wedding is. But it wasn't. I was wrong. And um, thankfully, thankfully, I, whew, uh, I wish I, I'm glad that it wasn't otherwise. But thankfully, I always have my cameras and my flashes and my SD cards um, all ready, like SD cards cleared. Um, cameras and lighting charges to 100% because I'm always just want to, you know, prepare for that, you know, kind of like the, was it Boy Scouts? You know, you always want to be prepared. 
But, but uh, yeah, so that happened. She called me. She was like, she's like, where are you? We're going to get ready soon. And, you know, I, I freaked out. I got ready as fast as humanly possible That in the next five minutes, grabbed my stuff, went over there. I don't want to say I was speeding, but you know what? You know, you, you filled in the gaps. But uh, yeah, we got there as soon as we could. We did it. I nailed it. You know, she was happy with the images after it all ended. And I was just, it wasn't so much bad in the sense that she experienced that worst part. But I'm always harsh on myself. And I never want to do anything that would make me fail again in the future. So that was a good way to kind of learn from that. So that it was bad experience for me learning, you know, you know, you know, not to get the dates wrong, especially because, you know, one's my favorite number. But it made me learn from that. So it was a bad experience that I learned from. You always got to take, you know, some sort of learning experience from the, the bad things. Absolutely. So I would say that's something that was like, that's the number one thing that freaks me out. Even like I had like a probably had a nightmare about that one time. <laughs> I, think, I think we've all had that nightmare. Uh, fortunately, I haven't run into that situation, but I am definitely learning from this experience. <laughs> one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, a lot of times we're put into situations that help us persevere and keep us moving forward, motivate us. They get us to the point where we need to move forward somehow. Good and bad times that dictate how we move forward in this life. Uh, people in our lives kind of change the direction or the trajectory of our of our lives as well. You know, friends, family, relatives, spouses, loved ones. Is there a moment in your life, in your career, that it's just been an, an aha moment for you? Definitely. Um, this what I'm about to tell you is is I would consider my aha moment because it's something that um, that I pretty much always earn my money from now it's my dedicated income and um in the business if <laughs> it's called passive income and um i'll be honest my my family doesn't have uh, my whole family that i can think of they don't really have um kind of like the idea of making money in that sense they do the things that you know you do a service or a trade uh, a nine-to-five job and you get paid for that and then the end of day and then you just wait till the next day um, the stuff that I've been doing, entrepreneurial stuff, is something that's always been self-taught. So when I learned about uh, passive income, and specifically in the term of um, Amazon affiliate, um, it was actually from somebody else. Somebody told me, you know, you're, you've been recommending me uh, products to purchase for years now. And if you were to just kind of make an affiliate account and throw me the same link, but you would you'd get commission from that. And I was like, what? This is a thing? <laughs> so ever since then, I was like, you know what? How else, what other companies have affiliate links, you know? And I learned, you know, there's so many companies that have affiliates. Um, so the, the, my biggest earning, uh, earnings right now is from Amazon, from YouTube, from Adorama, from B&H. And those different companies, they, they're like my main sources of income. And it's all passive income. Um, I, I always talk, talk to people online and recommend them different products specifically that's going to work for them, not just, you know, whatever most expensive and, you know, however I can make a biggest commission. Um, I, I want to get products that are within their budget that works for them and I throw them a link and I say the best way that, you know, you can help me back in return is just you use my link and, you know, I earn a small bit from it. And yeah, that learning that passive income was a thing was, was easily in my biggest thing because that's, that's literally all the money that I make right now is passive income. I'm starting to do 
you know, other things like photo walks more, but that's the thing that has been earning me money for the past couple of years. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, they say the best way to make money is while you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you can yeah, do exactly. that, then that's the best way to do it, I think. Um, have you read any good books lately? Anything that has kind of jarred your, your interest into... Yeah, you know, moving forward with something. So, um, I I'll be honest with you. I don't read a lot, but if it's photography related, then I'll be like, hey, you know, maybe I will, will read this. Um, the book that I um that I actually own, but I need to look into it more is the Dramatic Portrait by Chris Knight. Amazing, amazing photographer. Um, uh, and I do know some other books by uh, Roberto Valenzuela. I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a couple of picture perfect posing, picture-perfect lighting, different kinds of books like that. So those are good ones that I always recommend to people. But um, th- definitely I would say that that one book, um, uh, The Dramatic Portrait, is is the number one on my, uh, in my mind because I absolutely love his work, and he loves Rembrandt, and I love Rembrandt lighting. So it's, yeah, that's the one that definitely sticks out more than anything. And if I, if I were to read, say, another book that wasn't so much photography-related, it'd probably be Crushing It by Gary V, because I, again, I don't read it a lot nowadays in the most, you know, recent years, but early on when I was a kid, I used to read a lot. And um, so since I don't read a lot and I heard about Gary V and I was inspired by him, I, I wanted to get his book. I bought it and I actually read it from start to finish uh, and I've never done that before. So I was really inspired by that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, probably... Maybe we'll see you on like Creative Live or your own. I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's a website that's out there, which I've been using probably for the past couple of years or at least since they've started, uh, is scribed.com. I don't know if you've heard of them Mm -hmm. before. It's really inexpensive, but it's almost like an all-you-can-eat book. Oh yeah, reading. Uh, they also have audiobooks and stuff like that, which is, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not promoting them, but you know, this kind of a it's not sponsored. <laughs> they're not sponsors, but I, I definitely, I've been using them for some time now, and anytime I have some questions, I should say, questions regarding photography, is there something that uh, you're you're looking now, and you said, man, I should have just jumped and not waited for this. So, um, I think. The, one of the biggest things was not even anything photo-related. Um, it was just me being not confident with myself. I don't care if that sounds cheesy to anybody listening, but that's honestly what I felt and what I see other people experience, even at the, la- the last photo walk that I just did. Um, them being too timid, too shy to say anything, them experiencing these issues, that I, and I tell them because I know I've been there, that you know, if you have any sort of issues that you ha- you're having while adjusting the settings or anything, let me know because I can help you. I'm right here. I can I can figure out what's the issue and you can learn from it. So and then even after saying that, they're like, uh, and I, I'm on the ball because I you know on these people's you know you know over the shoulder saying, show me your photos. I want to see the photos. I want to see if they look good. And if they're not, I want to figure out why so you can learn. And then they show me and they're like, oh, I was having issues. And I was like, I told you to to call me. <laughs> and they're like, okay, all right, I'll 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 you know I'll reach out next time. But I was in that exact same spot. I was—I never used to be so outgoing um, like I am now. I love to talk to people. But being very shy, um, not so confident with myself, um, that held me back so much from wanting to just even talk to people. And in photography, especially with portrait work, which is all I do, is, is relating to the people and making them feel comfortable so that you can get great-looking images. And especially if they're candid moments with natural light. 
Um, I will say that one of the biggest things that helped me out with that was getting with my now fiance. She, like, I used to be so, so shy. Like, I, like, other people might go out to a party and I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to just play video games inside by myself. And I'll do that. And, um, yeah, so she got me out more in her circle and she has an extensive family and we would go to different events and I'd have to talk to them <laughs> and be more comfortable with talking to people that I don't know. And then, actually, when I started to do portrait work and be more serious about portraits, um, I was still kind of shy and it was very noticeable in the beginning. And then over time, I got more and more confident with my skills and that showed more in my ability to talk to these people, to get pictures of them. So, um, and me and uh, my fiance Ashley, we always tell people the very first male model that I worked with, I think he was the first model. Yeah. He, um, when he found out he was the first model that I was going to be working with, he was very noticeably like upset. Like he was like, really? Like, like he thought the photo shoot was going to be bad because of that. And that made me want to work harder, especially in the future. Like that gives me that push to, to overcome that. Um, so it, you know, and after the photo shoot was done and over with, he loved those photos. And he talked, he talked about them for years. And uh, it made me feel happy because, it's, you know, I turned that, that energy into something good for, for us both. I could have been like, you know what, forget this. You know, you know, I'm not happy with your attitude. We're done. But, I, you know, I wanted to overcome that and tackle that. So um, over time, I got more confident from talking to people. And when I got better at my skill of photography, it made me more confident in reaching out to more people and reaching out to models and... Yeah, just that confidence, that lack of confidence held me back for so long. That's that's amazing, man. It, and you know, being an introvert and a photographer, yes. sometimes they oh, God. sometimes they don't match up. You know, you have to break out <laughs> of that, that shell and, and just say, hey, you know, especially when you're directing and you're getting, you want that look. And uh, and I have an, I, just a quick experience. Yesterday, I had a, a, a senior shoot, like a, um, a young young girl, and uh, she saw the photos, and she's like, man, I thought I was going to look all fat, and I didn't <laughs> think I was going to look good. And, and I said, look, I put you in situations that are going to make you look good. I'm going to put you in, in positions that are conducive to making that photograph work. And so she's like, oh, wow, I thought I was going to be in uncomfortable situations. And I was like, well, sometimes <laughs> I'll put you in an uncomfortable situation. But, you know, it all depends on the, the person. You know, you look at them, and then all of a sudden you're, you're analyzing them, you know, nose, eyes, ears, face, body. And then you're trying to position these uh, people in positions that's going to make that photograph look good. And you need to be yeah. able to communicate that. To, to kind of, like, relate to that same experience, I remember I did a photo shoot with a friend of mine. And we were taking pictures of this kind of barely new model, the first photo she's ever she's ever done. She was like deer in the headlights. She was like wide open, not no expression. She was just nervous. She was turning her face sideways, but like it was just the same expression, so scared. And um, I can't remember. I, I'm a big Disney fan, and I remember there was like uh, leaves falling, and I was like, oh, it's like Pocahontas. It's like uh, what's it called the colors of the wind and then and then she's like oh you don't you know um you know disney and i was like i was like yeah i'm a huge disney fan i go to disney like any chance i could get i've gone in the past blah blah blah. and then uh she was like oh well and like i like disney too and then we start it was around the time that the movie moana came out we started talking about that i was like oh i loved it and this we and then she she just got a lot more comfortable 
And then the, the immediate, like I have the photos. Mm-hmm. The immediately after those, that conversation, Absolutely. she was so much more comfortable looking. Yeah. And it just showed, showed up in the images, like yeah. night and day difference. So it was just all about making her feel comfortable. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. And you know, a lot of times I, we schedule uh, an extended hour or oh, yeah. and a half <laughs> just so that we know that that first 30 minutes or so yeah. is just the uncomfortable part of that photo shoot. And then, and you can almost see the transition. You got to get in that groove. You know, the, and then you're just looking at them and before you know it, they're, they're doing stuff automatically. And it's yeah. just, it's awesome to, uh, to see that transition. And, and initially what I'll do is I'll show them the photos, yeah. uh, which probably you're not supposed to do. <laughs> but then as soon as I see that change, I show them that. And I say, look, this is you being comfortable. Now we're able to see that emotion come out in yeah. that photo. We're able to see how this photo will evoke that emotion. Yeah. And so that's just one of the, the, the things as a photographer, you know, you learn over the years. What is the best advice you've received? Mm, in terms of... In terms of gear, I would probably say, um, like for for a long time, I was using cheap light stands, and there was a photographer by the name of Joey L. that said, "Why would you spend so much money on like either a camera or a, a lighting setup, pro photo, for example, <laughs> and then you put it on a very cheap twenty dollar light stand, and then it falls over because of that cheap light stand?" And I was like, "You know what? That makes so much sense." So I, st- I still use cheap stands, but in a sense that it's still a great sturdy C-stand, which is, I, I always use C-stands. That sturdiness is, is there. It's, so it's not it's cheap in that sense, but it's, it's a pretty affordable C-stand compared to like other ones that cost like double or triple. But uh, that's the best thing I would say for gear. But actually, in a sense that, um, actually the same photographer, Joey L, he's the one that got me liking off-camera flash. And when I started to really dive into his work and he, he was actually, he's actually one of the first photographers that I can actually think of ever mm-hmm. that started to share behind the scenes, the um, videos or, or photos or anything. And it, it made me get a better understanding of, you know, these, the power of lighting. So I would say um, him kind of inadvertently, uh, indirectionally telling me, you know, stop putting your stuff on cheap light stands and, and use lighting. That's the, the best thing that helped me out because I love lighting and I do want my stuff not to break. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of what sets you apart from everybody else also. You know, you using the type of lighting that's available to you, but also utilizing the flash in conjunction with that is, is just something that if you master that, it sets you apart from every other photographer out there and it just improves your quality so much more. Yeah. Have you found a daily routine that works for you or have you noticed anything that you're doing differently that contributes to your success? Um, like you said before, that, that feeling of lazy, it's always there. It's always present. And um, I always tell people I always kick myself to not be lazy when it comes to photography because I love it so much and I don't want to be lazy about it. Um, and this is something that my fiance doesn't even know yet. But when um, there's times where I might post something that could you know, have an altering opinion, a little bit of debate, and if I wake up and everything's nice and, you know, easy peasy, everybody's agreeing with me, you know, then I'm like, oh, you know, I'll sleep a little bit longer. Um, if somebody has a different opinion than that, that like me wanting to like debate, like I always, I'm very much, I, I wanted to originally be a lawyer. So <laughs> I like to argue, but I, I always fight that urge. But uh, me, um, me disagreeing with somebody or somebody arguing with me, it like, it wakes me up. 
that energy. So I don't seek out these things that like upset me, but I know those things will make me wake up and, and give me the energy to just without coffee, without taking a shower, without washing my face. It gives me that energy. So that's something that I don't aim for, but that's something that will wake me up and then start my day. <laughs> it's not the best advice, but I'm being honest here. That's sort of who I am. <laughs> but um, but if I'm not, you know, if that doesn't happen, then of course I'll still, um, you know what? The thing that if you for according to everybody's analytics, it's gonna differ. But Instagram, the best time to post is uh, nine o'clock for me in the morning, and I want to say that's probably because people are just starting their work. They can slack off in the beginning a little bit, or they're about to work and they want to scroll through Instagram real quickly. So. Me wanting to wake up at 8 o'clock so I can have that dedicated hour to make an Instagram post or maybe a little bit earlier if I feel like I know I want to relax at it, um, then uh, get it ready for 9 o'clock and share it, then that's that'll, that makes me want to wake up earlier. I, I am definitely the type that can sleep to like 11 to 12 even. Uh, so the fact that I want to share with others and share and grow my Instagram, that actually makes me want to wake up at 7.38 so that I can prepare that, so I can push that out there. And um, again, like the stuff, this type of stuff that I do, which is very social media influenced, is is um, gonna just benefit everything else. My Instagram will feed my Facebook page, my Facebook page and my Instagram will feed my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel, Facebook and Instagram will feed my affiliate links and it'll just grow my myself as a brand. And it just, it all comes from a, from a very natural present thing inside of me where I just like to help people out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the main thing that drives me, the the social media stuff. So are you currently using a platform that helps you schedule your posts or are you doing all these individually? I use none. <laughs> um, I've, I've gotten asked that before. I've gotten asked from people, do you even manage your own social media account? Because I do reply to a lot of messages every day and I make a lot of posts every day. And um, I use none of those services. Uh, one, because I'm cheap. And two, because I'm like, you know, what? I'm already on Facebook. Oh, I'm already on Instagram, already on you know, YouTube. Might as well just share it. But um, yeah, I get asked that a lot. And I, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, it probably would be a lot easier to just pay a little bit and get all that services to do those jobs for me. But I'm always, um, I'm always I don't post to post and leave. That's something that if I did that in the beginning, then I wouldn't be where I am now. I post and I engage with people. I post on my Facebook and I engage the comments. I post on my Instagram, engage the comments, ask, answer people's questions. I post YouTube videos, I engage the comments. I don't want to just just dump the content and just take off. I want to be. I want to connect with people. I like connecting people, helping them out. So if I utilize those services, it would yeah, it would post the stuff for me. But it wouldn't post the comments for me. It wouldn't look at these people's questions and figure out what's the best way to answer it. It wouldn't look into these people's profiles, click on their profile, scroll through their feed, see what kind of work they're producing, what's holding them back, what ways they can improve, and what pieces of gear or different things that they could do with that existing gear could give them better images. And that's what I do. Uh, people don't see that. My fiance doesn't see that. Nobody sees that but me. Uh, if I could record my eyes, then everybody else would see, but I do that. I scroll through people's profiles. I see what kind of, if they're from uh, India, if they're from the U.S., U.K., if they're from any other areas of the world, there's different ways that people uh, interact and, and operate in those areas, and I've, got, I've come to know that. 
because of you know, interacting with people all over the world. So I'm probably this answer is being so long, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's honestly what I do, and then uh, yeah, I like to engage people, and it's just so much more than just simply saying that. Oh, I want to just engage people. There's there's so much more to that that question and that answer. So I just Absolutely. try to provide that insight. You know, and a lot of people what they do is they try to go make the money, make the money, make the money, but forget about engaging with the people and helping other people. And I think if you go that route, then the money will come. So thank you for coming on to the show. I really appreciate you giving us your valuable insight on how you generate passive income. You're a superstar and an inspiration to me and our listeners. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to sign up for a seminar? Um, I'm very fortunate that I've, I've chosen a username that's pretty, it's, uh, it's available on all my social media. So whatever website you're trying to find me on, if you just search FJH photo, those are my initials, FJH photo, then I'm going to be there. Twitter.com F slash FJH photo, YouTube.com slash slash FJH photo. Same thing with Facebook and Instagram. FJH photo is going to be everywhere. Um, yeah, I try to keep it very nice and neat. So it's just at so FJH everybody photo. just go on Google search FJH FJH photo and they can they'll find me they'll find you yeah so. if you want if you guys just want to choose one thing to follow I would say Instagram I'm on that the most there you go guys Francisco Hernandez you have to build your business there are all levels of photographers out there and you have to maintain that course and continually hit it hard educate yourself. Building a passive revenue through education is a viable business, and some photographers are now turning towards this type of revenue. Continue to network, build relationships with other photographers, and turn your passion of photography into a way for you to continually make money while you are sleeping. Your continued support for this channel gives us the opportunity to bring new guests and help women, veterans, and minority-owned businesses gain some insight on the successes and failures of other entrepreneurs. If you have not already done so, please subscribe and share. Help us build this platform to help other aspiring entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening to The Creative Entrepreneur. Please click the show notes for additional information. Want to know more? Click on the subscribe button and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting us at tcepodcast.net.